If you're past 35 or 40 years old, you need to be spending more time on what you're primarily gifted to do and less time in those areas that will only get you incremental improvement over time. And so we need to spend time resourcing and developing what we primarily bring to the kingdom. This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lawrence. Matthew chapter 25 records the parable of the talents, also known as the parable of the bags of gold. Now, at first glance, this parable appears to illustrate the benefits of wise financial investment into God's kingdom. But Crawford would suggest it's really about being faithful with the gifts and abilities God has given to us. Our lives are busy, there's no doubt about it, but how much time are we really investing in the development of these gifts and abilities for kingdom work? Stay with us as we look further into this parable. If you're new to our program, a big welcome. Our speaker has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years, serving as a pastor, conference speaker, seminary professor, and author. His books include Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, Leadership as an Identity, and For a Time We Cannot See. The messages we feature on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's 15 years as pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Today, Crawford heads the Christian leadership mentoring ministry known as Beyond Our Generation. Well, let's learn more about how to serve God with faithfulness. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 25. Here's Crawford Loretz with the second part of his message, The Parable of the Talents, Faithfulness Until He Comes. Well, verses 21 and 23, to summarize that, the two men who put their money to work each received the same commendation. Well done, good and faithful servants. Notice, notice he didn't commend them on the amount that they made. That was not the point. It was, it was the fact that they were faithful with what was given to them. And he commended them. You know, the, he commended the, the dude with the two. He said, yeah, that you, you, you operated within your capacity, and you, you, gave a, you gave 100% within your capacity, and look at what happened. Good for you, man. And by the way, faithfulness is like compounded interest. And I have lived long enough to see this. I know those of you in your 20s and maybe early 30s right now, you, you know, but, but trust me, trust me, I'm going to tell you something. When I said that, that, that gifts, talents, and abilities are underrated, uh, overrated, and, and faithfulness is underrated, no, that comes from life experience. I've lived to see. Faithfulness is like compounded interest. You give me a guy, you give me somebody on my team who has minimum gifts but is faithful, I will take them any day, any day, over mega gifted people who give me 70%. Any day. You see, faithfulness increases our capacity and multiplies our ability. You actually are able to handle more when you faithfully handle less. But you won't be able to handle more if you're focusing on more and ignoring the less. I know that's counterintuitive, but it's true. It is true. When you are faithful in the small little things, God gives you more. If you want more, don't keep chasing down more. Don't run after more. Don't keep looking for more. If you want more, be faithful with what you have. Leverage what you have. 
I got to tell you something. In 1996, I, I had a man, I, I was on the brink of burnout. I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. I was on the U.S. cabinet. I was heading one of the national ministries. The speaking stuff had begun to do like this, and uh, a couple of books I had written were, uh, you know, doing pretty well, and, and, and I, was, I was getting caught up with a lot of stuff that I could do, but I shouldn't have been doing, and it was killing me. All that stuff was actually choking out the primary thing that God laid his hand on me to do, and that was the preaching teacher's word. It was cannibalizing that because I could do these things. You're getting visibility about this. And I got to tell you, this, this, this came from the Lord. There are two people that God sent my way. One of them, his name is Steve Robinson. I'll never get Steve saying to me. He looked me straight in the eye. He was on an advisory board of mine. He said, Crawford, you don't need to be doing all this stuff. Thank God for a friend. Right after he told me that, I, I flew to Chicago. I was speaking at a Promise Keepers event at Soldiers Field. I'll never forget this. And a dear, dear friend of mine, Dr. Haddon Robinson, during the break, we walked across Soldier Field, and I just poured out my heart to Haddon about all that was going on, and he said these words to me. He said, Crawford, there comes a point in time in every man's life where he has to stop doing the things that he likes to do or he sees improvement in, but do the things that he was born to do. And it was that combination of my buddy Steve Robinson and Haddon Robinson, not related, I couldn't get back to Atlanta fast enough, stepped down from some of these positions, and began focusing on the very thing that God wrote his signature over my life to do. The influence increased when I narrowed my focus. The focus is on obedience and faithfulness, and faithfulness has a way of increasing your capacity and not the other way around. I wish I had a hypodermic needle to take to every young leader I meet and inject them with that. You ain't going to miss anything by staying focused on what God told you to do. If he wants you to do something else, he'll tell you that. But until then, pour it in, Jack. Pour it out. Stop trying to borrow somebody else's calling. You got two talents, well, use those two talents. Get after it. Well, he went away. He came back. And then thirdly, he rebuked and judged. Those attaboy to those dudes, those dudes that did something with it into the joy of your master. Great. Now look at Leroy here. We've got an issue. we got us an issue up in here. Mm-mm-mm. So the master asked for the account. Now notice what Leroy does. Verse 24 says, He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Yeah, come on, seriously. Karen and I laugh about this. I could always tell which child did something wrong when they were small. You know what I could tell? You know I could tell? Whoever starts talking the fastest first. (laughs) Well, this guy starts talking fast. He's about how, how he knew he was all of this stuff, and he, he, you know, he was afraid. And, and, I, and, I, and he was afraid, but he was also lazy. That was the bigger issue. He was lazy. He wanted to live his own life. He wanted to be faithful with what belonged to somebody else. I'm not going to do all that work. 
ought to live my life. The point being that if he knew that the master was at a hard man, which he wasn't, if he knew it was a hard man, he should have known that the, the master expected him to do something with what had been entrusted to him. So his excuse was bogus. If you knew I was a hard man, then, yo, dude, I mean, this is what Jesus said. At least, hey, put it in a bank, you know, get two, three, four percent or something. Do a little something for me, man. If I'm all that hard, I keep saying this to us, but you got to believe that Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, there will be accountability. See, we don't, we don't get credit for having talents and abilities. As I said, we get credit for using them. To be gifted doesn't mean that we're productive. It just means we're gifted. Gifts don't mean anything. They're not used. Jesus puts the hammer down. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Because of wicked. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my count coming I should have received. That was what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. Yeah, a couple of observations. Holding on to what God has given to us means that there's no possibility of loss. That's true. But there's definitely no possibility of gain. To hold it, no, you're not going to lose it. But then you're not going to make any difference either. Put another way, being afraid to fail means that there's no possibility to succeed. Some of us, the enemy has us paralyzed. There's gift, talents, and abilities that God wants to use you for. And he's pointing to an area, but you're going to have to take a step of faith. You're going to have to take a step of faith. It may be changing your career. It may be an adjustment on your job. It may even be taking a demotion. It may be doing something, but you know God is prodding you and pushing you there, and you're scared. You're afraid to fail. And if you're afraid to fail, well, you're guaranteed you won't succeed. See, here's the deal. All of us are afraid. All of us should be afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the direction of your fear. If you fear God more than you do people, you'll always be courageous. So it's the direction of that fear. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you, you, did, you, you, you didn't fear me. Because you didn't fear me, you did nothing. And too many of us are more afraid of people and more afraid of what might happen to us than we are believing God and taking those steps of faith and using the money. I have a sneaking suspicion that if those guys lost the money, but they had tried, they had invested, they had used it, he still would have said, well done, thou, thou good and faithful servant. He still would have said that. It was not what they got, it was the fact that they used it. Why are you so afraid? What, 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 what can happen to us? What's the worst thing? God has taken care of us all these years. Ain't too many of us in here missed a meal. God has provided for us. What are we afraid of? Lifestyle, seriously? 
But here we have this man. And I have a sneaking suspicion on that day there are going to be a lot of folks like that. I didn't move because I was paralyzed. You know, what we do not use will be given away. Jesus came and took that one talent from that man and gave it to the guy who had accrued 10. Now, that is not to be read. He gave it to the one because he made more. No. He didn't give it to him because he made more. He gave it to him because he was more faithful. And then I'll wrap it up with this. I do have some suggestions on how to cultivate faithfulness, but let me hustle on here. Jesus says in verse 28, so take the talent and give to him who has the ten talents, for to everyone who has, who has will more be given, and he uh, will have an abundance, but from the one who has not even that he has will be taken away. That's to be interpreted by the context here of faithfulness. Faithfulness. If you're faithful, you're going to get more. If you're not faithful, what you have might even be taken from you. And then this sad, sobering line. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I, uh, I punked out uh, the last time I preached this text because I didn't want to deal with that last verse. They all wimped out. One of my favorite Bible teachers has written a wonderful commentary in the book of Matthew and uh, has been very instructive. And I agree just about with everything he said except on this text. He made the observation that Jesus, uh, that here, Jesus is not talking about sending this man to hell. And when I read that, I sat back in my chair and said, as much as I admire you and appreciate you, I strongly disagree. Follow me. In these three narratives, two parables and the narrative on judgment, they all end the same way. Remember the narrative on the ten virgins? There, the five foolish? What happened? They didn't have enough oil, and they were shut out. Okay? Skip over this one, and the narrative on judgment, uh, I was in prison, you didn't visit me, Uh, I was hungry, you didn't feed me, Uh, I never knew you. Sent to hell. Jesus is underscoring the same emphasis here. Why would this be different than those other two? It's consistent with, with these narratives. No, this man goes out. Then you say, oh, 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 Crawford, Crawford, Crawford. Are you saying that we have to work to get to heaven? No. Are you saying, are you saying that if a person's not ready, as in the ten virgins, not faithful, as in the poor steward, not fruitful and doing good works, as in the narrative on the judgment, that they won't make it into heaven? Uh, Yes, I am saying that. So, wait a minute. That sounds like a work salvation hanging in with me. No, it's not. James says, faith without works is dead. The point that Jesus is making here, know that you don't work for your salvation. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. We trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. However, he is saying that if there's no readiness in your heart, no faithfulness in your life, and no fruitfulness in your service, it may be an indication that you never were a believer to begin with. These are evidences of salvation. 
Again, Jesus is talking about, you need to take it seriously. You got to take your walk and relationship with me seriously and not play with it. I'm just going to click these off. I promise you seven suggestions on how to cultivate faithfulness. Coming out of this text, well, what do I do? What do I do? Let me, let me suggest these seven things. The first place to begin is to view your life and everything you have as belonging to God. We need to view our lives and everything we have as belonging to God. That's where it all begins. It's not your money. They're not your children. That's not your wife. That's not your husband. The abilities that you have, they're not yours. Nothing we have as a follower of Jesus belong. We're the proprietors of nothing. It all belongs to God. And that's the first place to begin. I think secondly, if we're going to cultivate faithfulness, is that we need to take an inventory of what's been entrusted to us. Do you know what's under the hood? Do you know what God's given us to work with? What is he giving you to work with? What, what, I mean, I, don't, I didn't say what we want to do and what we would like to do. Sometimes they're the same, and I hope they're the same, but sometimes they're not the same. As I said earlier, you know, something we get doing is confliction. We have poor, our, we have poor self-concept or, or whatever. What really has God given us to work with? What does he bless? What, what, what's inside of us? And some of us need to take some of these spiritual gifts inventories and, and figure out how we're shaped and get feedback from other people. Not what I like to do necessarily, but what has he really given me to work with? Thirdly, I think we need to look for ways to use what we have to improve and bless the lives of others. Talents, gifts, and abilities, they're not about self-discovery. Oh, there might be a little bit of that, and that's fulfilling, but really in the Bible, all of that is an other's orientation. God is about the business of expanding and improving his kingdom and blessing other people. And what he's given to me is to impact other lives. Number four, prayer about what we should do with what we have and do it. Do it. Pull the trigger on it. Stop procrastinating about it. Don't be scared to fail. Well, that didn't work. Well, ditch it and do something else. But do it. Number five, nurture and develop and hone your gifts and abilities. Some of us, um, I got to say this the right way, we all should work on character weaknesses, so don't hear me saying that. We, all of us should work on character weaknesses. But some of us have allowed something that is a C minus thing to become A plus in terms of the energy and effort that we give to it. And the A thing that we really have that God's wired us to do is getting pushed down into the C category. That's what's happening to me back in 1995 and 96. And so there comes a point in time, I think we need to, if you're past 35 or 40 years old, you need to be spending more time on what you're primarily gifted to do and less time in those areas that will only get you incre incremental improvement over time. And so we need to spend time honing and working on and, and, and you know, uh, uh, resourcing and developing what we primarily bring to the kingdom. Number six, stay focused and committed in your place and arena of service. Stop running so much. Sometimes it's just, you know, yes, this is what we're supposed to do. And, and faithfulness is hard. In fact, the very word implies opposition. 
You're only faithful. Faithfulness is defined by opposition. And some of us, some of us are not fruitful, not because we're not in the right place. We're in the right place. It's just that God wants us to go through some hard times in order for us to become fruitful. Brendan, our youngest son, I'll never forget, this is a number of years ago, uh, his first pastor in Chicago, he was, he was going through a hard time. I mean, it was rough. And so he was on the phone, and he just pouring his heart out to me one day, and I just said to him, son, you know why the grass is greener on the other side? He said, yo, Dad, why? I said, because it has more manure on it. <laughs> and I don't mean to sound nasty, but this is exactly what I told him. I said, boy, you're in the manure phase of your ministry. Stay there long enough until something sprouts. And, you know, and that's just the way it is. So when I talk about faithfulness and, and, and working on your gifts and talents, I'm not talking about an easy cake ride. You gotta, sometimes you just got to stay there. So you learn what you need, and then the fruit will come. And the last one is live and serve in light of the reality of accountability. That's how to really cultivate faithfulness. I'm going to give an account to God, and I got to ride as fast as I can on the bicycle that's been given to me. You might have a Harley, but I got a bicycle, Jack. <laughs> and I got to keep pedaling on that sucker. It may not be the best in the world, but I can't quit, and i got to keep at it because he's coming back. I've been haunted by this thought over the last few months. You know, I, I may not be the smartest. I know I ain't that. The sharpest, and, and I can't be laboring for who might remember me or recognize me or position me, all of that. But when I see my Savior, I want him to say, Crawford, you did what I told you to do. When you see him, do you think he's going to say that to you? Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts and lives. There is none like you. And Lord, there's not one in here, including yours truly, can say that we've been 100% faithful. I know I haven't been. But Lord, will you help us? Help us not to waste the holy equity that you have deposited and built in our lives. Help us not to be stupid and foolish enough to think that somehow or another we're going to skate past accountability. I pray, oh God, that you'll bless us and use us. And may we be emissaries and, and ambassadors for the kingdom. And Lord Jesus, may we do all that we can with what we have to exalt the Lord Jesus until he comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Here again are those seven suggestions for cultivating faithfulness. Number one, view our lives and everything we have as belonging to God. Number two, take an inventory of what has been entrusted to us. Number three, look for ways to use what we have to improve and bless the lives of others. Number four, pray about what we should do with what we have and then do it. Number five, nurture, develop, and hone our gifts and abilities. Number six, stay focused and committed in our place and arena of service. And number seven, live and serve in light of the reality of accountability. If you joined us late in the broadcast today, you can hear the complete message on our website, livingalegacy.org. We also offer all of Crawford's messages as free downloads. Look for the MP3 link at livingalegacy.org. Thanks for joining us today. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, 
a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.